Welcome back to Tamont Radio on KDRT 95.7 FM in Davis, California. This is your host, Rohan Bakshi. You have a big game in 30 minutes. You stroll onto the field drinking a can of soda and checking your Insta feed. Is that your typical pregame prep? Think again. I'm a goalie for AYSO United Davis, and it's been drilled into us that soccer warm-ups are important. In today's episode, we are going to go over why they are so crucial. We're also going to talk about pregame meals, snacks, and beverages, and why paying attention to them can make or break your game. Soccer is a sport that demands a lot from your body, especially your legs. Because of the dynamic nature of this sport, soccer players are at risk for lots of injuries. Most injuries are non-contact and can happen when athletes are running, jumping, shooting, or turning. Muscle strains are a big problem, but there are a series of warm-ups that can decrease your risk of injury by up to half. The Federation Internationale de Football Association, or FIFA, is the international governing body of association football or soccer. The FIFA 11 Plus dynamic warm-up was developed to reduce injury risk for athletes at all levels. The routine is easy to learn and takes only about 20 minutes to get through. It's best to do this routine regularly, at least twice a week. The warm-up is a series of running drills, core strengthening exercises, and soccer-specific movements that help athletes work on their motor control and hip and core strength. You don't need any specialized equipment, just some cones and a ball. The 11 Plus program has three parts. The first is slow speed running exercises with active stretching. Then you have core and leg strength exercises with balance and agility exercises. And finally, you do moderate to high speed running exercises with cutting and pivoting movements. Along with the FIFA 11 Plus warm up, there are a few other pregame routines that can help your performance. Listening to music that pumps you up or calms you down, going for a walk to clear your head, or talking to people close to you puts you in a good place mentally. Getting a good night's sleep, ideally 8 to 9 hours, gets your body and mind ready for the next day. Our guests on today's episode are two pediatricians interested in sports medicine who will tell us more about how to eat and hydrate well for peak game day performance. Waking up for an early game means that many soccer players may not consume enough food or hydrate well before playing, and we'll talk about ways to deal with that too. Our place of the week is the city of Zurich in Switzerland, home to the FIFA headquarters. Up next is Good Mood by the Rubens. Do I do? I'm in a good mood. Oh. 
head is in the sky, my head is taking off, my head has lost its mind, my head it never stops, I see you in the stone, I see you in the sand, it's empty in my bones, there's nothing in my, it's way too, way too cold, without you in my heart, I cannot play the role, I want a better part, try to build a home, but built a house of cards, tip me over, and all falls down. Nothing to lose, I need a good move now What do I do, I need a good move All you want is the old me Ooh, you got to be joking Bleeding out, spit me out Nothing to lose, I need a good move I tried to build a home, but built a house and car It all falls down It all falls down Nothing to lose, I'm in a good mood Nothing to lose, I'm in a good mood Nothing to lose, I'm in a good mood Welcome back to Tamart Radio on KDRT 95.7 FM in Davis, California. This is your host, Rohan Bakshi. Our guests on today's episode are Dr. Tammy Ng and Dr. Jake Peterson, who are pediatric resident physicians at the University of California, Davis. They are both headed to careers as sports medicine doctors. So Dr. Tammy and Dr. Jake, welcome to Time Out Radio today. First off, uh, sports medicine is a branch of medicine that deals with physical fitness and the prevention and management of injuries related to sports and exercise. And experts in this field work with a range of people from professional athletes to those who play sports for recreation. So how did you get interested in sports med? Jake, do you want to start? Yeah, thanks for having us, Rohan. It's um, an exciting time to to be talking with you. I, mine is a very long story, but uh, to put simply, I think what initially interested me was uh, exercise physiology. I took a class in my undergrad and ended up having to go to some lecture that was entitled Live High, Train Low. And just the body's adaptation to exercise um, is what springboarded my interest in pursuing medicine, uh, I ultimately ended up in pediatrics and did a rotation in sports medicine uh, and just loved it. I love the ultrasound. I love that you could like see inside the body with just putting a probe on a joint and the procedures that come along with it. And I really like working with athletes. I think athletes are, and all those who exercise are very motivated uh, to get better and to um, improve themselves. So it's just a very rewarding field. I actually have a very similar story to Jake. I, as an undergraduate at UC Davis, 
went into medicine because I also took an exercise biology class as a freshman. And funny story, I actually started my freshman year as an environmental science and management major. I was really into that for the latter two years of high school. And then within 10 weeks of starting college, decided to pursue medicine purely inspired by this exercise biology class called EXB10 taught by Dr. Shafrath um, and completely switched careers at that point. So Going into sports medicine really feels like coming full circle to where I first started 10 years ago for that reason. Um, and I really, at first thought I was gonna do general pediatrics. I had matched pediatrics residency um, by the time I decided to go into sports medicine. And it was because I spent time in orthopedic clinic and similar to Jake just fell in love with musculoskeletal physiology. So I'm really excited to go into this in the future. Yeah, for sure. And both of you came by to do a session on pregame prep for my soccer team a few days ago or a few weeks ago. And my team uh, learned about pregame nutrition, hydration, warmups, and how to prevent and treat cramps. And that was some uh, really practical information that we started using right away. So let's start by talking about pregame nutrition. Uh, what should I eat before I train or play a soccer game and does what I eat right before I train give me any performance benefits? You know, I would, to kind of answer the, the what not to do question side of that, I would avoid large meals immediately before games uh, to avoid like stomach cramping and even like throwing up because your body just doesn't have time to metabolize the food. Uh, a general recommendation that's really good to follow would be to eat 20 to 50 grams of carbohydrates about 10 to 15 minutes prior to exercise. Uh, I used to play for uh, play soccer for Brigham Young University. And our pregame snack, if you will, about 10 to 15 minutes before the game was eating a banana. And we'd have a little Jif peanut butter cup and we'd just dip it in there. And that gave you just that, that recommended 20 to 50 grams, a uh, little spark of energy before the game. Mm -hmm. I also yeah. wanted to mention that I got the chance to chat with the sports dietitian recently, and she pointed me to a really great resource that I highly recommend to everyone. And it's called the Athletes Plate, and you can find it on the University of Colorado's website. And essentially, it shows pictures of plates of food that depict just how much of your plate should consist of grains versus lean proteins versus vegetables, de depending on your training load. And so what you'll notice is for the hard training, half of the plate is filled with grains and then the other half of the plate is split evenly between protein and vegetables. And then for easy training, half of the plate is filled with vegetables and fruit while the other half is split between whole grains and lean protein. So I think it's a really great visual tool that can help you to remember just how much of each food group you should be eating to optimize performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've heard that, you know, when it comes down to sports, uh, carbs are king. And in fact, carb loading is used by endurance athletes to increase energy stores in their muscles and uh, liver. And it prevents athletes from running out of fuel and slowing down and prevents their muscles from feeling tired or cramped. Uh, so describe a good pregame meal for someone before uh, a, a game. Yeah, carbohydrates are going to be your primary source of energy during exercise. And so you really want to focus on the type and quantity of carbohydrates that you're getting and the timing of getting those in as well. Now, if you come to, to get to know me, you'll, you'll realize that I love ice cream and I'm a big fan of Gunther's ice cream here in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not the type of carbohydrates that, that are good for pregame fuel. Um, and I probably eat way too much of them anyways. 
Uh, so better sources of carbohydrates come from like your fruits and your grains, like bagels and pastas. They have more complex carbohydrates. They also provide the additional benefit of vitamins and minerals. You know, the stuff that's kind of lacking in that ice cream. Uh, and then the amount of carbohydrates really depends on your weight and the timing of the event. I like to try to just keep things simple. And so the simple rule that I follow is eat three to four grams of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight about three to four hours prior to training. Now, you probably already forgot the number that I just said. Um, and so one thing that I think is helpful is I've kind of come up with um, a pregame meal based on an average high school male athlete that weighs about 70 kilograms or 154 pounds to a good pregame meal about three to four hours before a game would be having three cups of cooked spaghetti with two pieces of garlic bread and you can't have spaghetti without spaghetti sauce and so throwing on some um, spaghetti sauce and of course you need your fruits and veggies so a little bit of broccoli and an apple combined with two cups of milk that would give you just over 200 grams of carbohydrates plus some a little bit of protein in there as well uh, and would be a, a really good pregame meal like three to four hours before a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what if someone has a practice early in the morning, say at like five or 6 a.m., uh, how can they eat a full meal then when, you know, the stomach is still trying to wake up? <laughs> yeah, your body's probably still trying to wake up. I know. Uh, sometimes you just have to roll out of bed and get to practice. Um, if it's that early, it kind of depends on when you wake up. Uh, if you do just kind of roll out of bed and get onto the basketball court within an hour, I'd keep it simple. Uh, eating like a, a large bagel and or a piece of fruit, like an orange or banana, that would give you that like 20 to 50 grams that's recommended uh, about 15 to 20 minutes before exercise as well. So that might be something to be a little bit lighter on your stomach, but also give you some of the energy that you need for practice that morning. Mm-hmm. And so eating right before a game helps uh, a youth athlete improve their form, uh, performance. How soon and what should uh, someone eat after the game? Oh, yeah. At that point, uh, there's actually some really good data that looked at eating carbohydrates versus protein versus a combination of carbohydrates and protein after an event, exercise, training. And they found that a combination of carbohydrates and protein uh, will help build muscle mass afterwards. And so the recommendation is about 60 to 80 grams of carbohydrates plus 15 to 20 grams of proteins uh, per hour for about three to four hours afterwards. Now, again, trying to keep that simple, the way that I think about it is drink a glass of chocolate milk within an hour after exercise, and that's a pretty good refueling source for you. Mm -hmm. And so now let's uh, switch gears and switch from food and talk about pregame hydration. Uh, what happens when a youth athlete or anyone in general becomes dehydrated? Yeah, good question. So dehydration can cause a number of issues. It can cause some electrolyte abnormalities. So think sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, things like that. It can also contribute to heat illness, especially during summers. It can lead to fatigue and cramping and ultimately puts athletes at higher risk of injury. Mm -hmm. And uh, water makes up most of our body weight and it's you know, a vital ingredient for our body to work well. And uh, I keep hearing that athletes shouldn't wait until they're thirsty to drink water. Uh, how much water should athletes drink before and during exercise? 
Yeah, so hydration should really begin several hours prior to exercise to really optimize performance. Certainly you should drink when you're thirsty, but even minimal dehydration can affect performance. So it's really best to drink before becoming thirsty. And so to that, what I would recommend is drinking about 12 to 20 ounces of fluid at least four hours before exercise. And an ounce is really, think of it as a large gulp. So 12 to 20 large gulps of water at least four hours before exercise. And during exercise, you'll want to take frequent hydration breaks, especially again in hot, humid conditions, which can put you at risk of heat illness. And generally, you probably don't want to be drinking 20 ounces of fluid during exercise. That would probably make you vomit. So instead, what you want to drink is anywhere from half a cup to one cup of water. And that's about four to eight ounces. So again, four, four to eight large gulps of water about every 15 minutes or so for short bouts of exercise. So anything less than an hour. Yeah. And uh, water is, you know, the main ingredient in sports drinks, but these drinks also contain other things uh, such as carbs and electrolytes. And some people prefer adding electrolyte powders or pills to their own water. Um, so let's discuss drinking electrolytes or sports drinks before or during a game. Uh, are these sports drinks really any better than water? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so if you paid really close attention, um, when I talked about hydrating during exercise, I noted that you should be generally drinking four to eight large gulps of water every 15 minutes for short bouts of exercise, so less than one hour. And the reason being is that there's a caveat to drinking lots of water, and that's that if you drink too much water in activities that last a really long period of time, so about over an hour, so let's say long distance running, it can actually decrease your sodium levels too much, and that can be really dangerous. You'll, you'll see people acting really wonky when they have really low sodium levels. And so in these cases, I would encourage drinking sports drinks or adding electrolyte packets to water. And they can also actually be helpful for cramping as well. Yeah. And some people use uh, energy drinks before a game. Uh, these typically contain stimulants such as caffeine. Uh, and they also have varying amounts of sugar, uh, vitamins and minerals. What are your thoughts on pregame energy drinks? I generally wouldn't recommend them for a couple reasons, because both the sugar and the caffeine can actually cause some abdominal cramping and or an upset stomach, and they can actually increase the risk of you having to urinate during the competition because caffeine, for instance, is a diuretic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, to wrap up, do you guys have any final words or advice uh, to youth athletes to help them stay fit and at peak performance during a game? I think I would say, like I said earlier, keep it simple. Set some realistic and achievable goals for yourself. Find some healthy foods you enjoy eating and workouts you enjoy doing. And then I would work to develop good habits right now, especially while you're young, with nutrition and exercise that will continue as you, you grow up and eventually end up in a career with jobs and life gets a little bit busier. And if you develop those habits early on, it's, it's easier to, to do. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And for me, I would say diets are always going to come and go. But really, the most important thing is to have a well-balanced, nutrient-dense diet that matches your activity levels. I think the athlete's place is a really good place to start. But definitely don't be afraid to ask registered dietitian or your doctor if you want to learn more about nutrition. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Tammy and Dr. Jake, for joining me on Time Out Radio today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity and the chance to, to speak. All right, that's Dr. Tammy Ng and Dr. Jake Peterson, who are pediatric resident physicians at UC Davis.
And that was The Tower by Future Islands. In today's travel segment, we visit Zurich, the largest city in Switzerland. The town of Tiricum was established in the 1st century AD at the site where modern-day Zurich lies. The city is located in north-central Switzerland and is home to 1.5 million people. Its official language is German. The city lies in the northern Swiss plateau within sight of the Alps, where the Limit River flows out of Lake Zurich. Zurich has cool winters and warm summers. The city has the largest clock face in Europe. 
The 30-foot clock face with moving dials adjoining the St. Peter's Church dates back to 1366. It is located in Old Town on top of a medieval watchtower built for the local fire brigade. For centuries, this clock was the official indicator of Zurich local time, with all other clocks in the city conforming to it. The towers of the Grossmünster Church are Zurich's most prominent landmark. The medieval old town has narrow streets and charming squares. The University of Zurich was founded in 1833, and ETH Zurich dates back to 1855. Famous alum Albert Einstein earned degrees from both schools. Zurich is a unique blend of old and new. It's the center of Swiss banking and industry. One-third of Zurich's residents are foreign nationals who reside in the city for work. Zurich hosts Street Parade, the largest techno street parade in Europe. Every year, millions of wildly dressed people fill the streets of Zurich and dance to electronic music. The city also has a museum that's dedicated to nothing. The No-Show Museum has galleries that have themes dedicated to the concept of literally nothing. Nothing at this museum makes sense to you? Then move on to the FIFA Museum. The headquarters of FIFA is located in Zurich. There you can visit the FIFA Museum which celebrates the rich history of soccer and shows how this beautiful game connects and inspires the world. The FIFA World Cup Gallery displays the FIFA World Cup trophies. Did your tour of Zurich tire you out? You can stay hydrated with its more than 1,200 drinking fountains. Some of these fountains are plain and simple. Others are quite elaborate with historical figures and cool designs. But all these fountains have pristine and tasty water free of charge to the public. And for your carb load, try the local dishes of Zurich Snatchlitz, which is sliced veal and gravy, rosti, that's shredded fried potatoes, and burly, or crusty bread rolls, which you can pay for in the local currency, the Swiss franc. So that wraps up our journey to our place of the week, the city of Zurich. Alright, let's call a timeout for Timeout Radio. This was your host, Rohan Bakshi. You're listening to Cater 95.7 FM, where the grassroots grow. Have a great day, everyone.